Welcome back to the Character Corner Podcast with your host Chris and Deepom here, and uh, we're we're back uh, doing a little bit different. We're not we're not doing a comic book character. Well, I guess we kind of are doing a character because we've already done. So we've already done Peter Parker Spider Man, and on the Character Corner, we usually deep dive into you know your favorite characters, and uh, we did a was that two or three parter on Peter Parker. I'm gonna assume three. Yeah, I'm gonna assume three I'm as well. I think we did three. I think we did three on Peter Parker. Um, and we also also have done Miles Morales already. Um, but uh, this time, you know, we've started throwing in some like almost comic book, book clubs in here as well on the Character Corner feed. And so today we are diving into um, Ultimate Spider-Man, which is Peter Parker, but it's a different version of Peter Parker. And it's the, um, this was the first one in the Ultimate line, Marvel's Ultimate line, wasn't it? It was. It was the first um, long-form book. They had done a couple of like ultimate imprints, ultimate comics, where um, Novar got introduced. Uh, shout out to anyone who cares about that character besides me. Um, and also, they had done like some ultimate Marvel team-ups. But the first long-form, like we're talking about the certain story, was Ultimate Spider-Man. And it's ultimately <laughs> the one that ran the longest. Yeah, it, this is um, it was launched October tw- uh, 2000. By Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Mark Bagley, and uh, they hold the record for the longest. I, I don't. I think they still hold it. Longest continual yes. run on Marvel comic book series by two people. It, it, it's it's it's. I don't know if it's Marvel comic book. I know it's the longest Spider-Man run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bagley and Bendis is the longest uninterrupted Spider-Man run um, in Marvel history. And yeah, it, the fact that this uh, series started in October two thousand, that first cover with Joe Casada drawing it, it's just. It's crazy because Joe Casada is now the head of like Marvel Capital M, right? Like, and it's all just kind of nuts because he was an artist in 2000 when this book started. Yeah, I mean, so, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna get into obviously the Ultimate Spider-Man run, which is a great run. Is is the one I think the longest running of the Ultimate Ultimate line runs, and is is the the most well known. I think the most well received one. It's it's, it is the best. Okay, okay, good. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to offend anybody by saying it, but it's clearly the best. It's the the shining one. I mean, and the fact that they went from Peter into Miles and stuff like that. It it, it is the best run. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it was one creator the entire time. Um, and uh, it's um, I I think it holds a special place because so the ultimate run from Marvel when they when they did this and. It's something we talk about all the time. Like we we give DC a lot of shit for their continuity being all over the place, and we talk about how oh well Marvel's better. We and it's the idea that we like the uh, the way Marvel does it better because all their history matters. But <clears throat> we're saying that from people who have been kind of in in Marvel from the beginning, and I don't mean all the way from the sixties, but like we've always kind of been into this this world of comics. But the idea of having a continuity that goes back to the sixties that is a lot for new readers. When you have, when you're trying to appeal to new people coming in, there's really not a good jumping in spot. And for a character like Spider-Man, it can be kind of hard because, you know, you, by the time some people come in there, you know, Peter's no longer some, some, some plucky high school kid. He's a grown up. He's adult. It's the whole thing we talk about when we talk about like, um, we talk about this as Robin, we were talking about Dick Grayson. It's like by the time most of us found out who could say the words Dick Grayson, he was Nightwing. You know, it's like he was no longer this image of the the small boy wonder you see in in in, in tights and pixie boots. So um, the ultimate run was basically a way to kind of reboot or retell some of the stories in the Marvel you know, Marvel comics 
obviously tell them in different ways and, and with, with more modern feel, but basically offer a jumping in point for um, new readers. And when it comes to Ultimate Spider-Man, it worked. I believe at some point it was outselling the the, the 616 Spider-Man book. Well, I think, yeah, and it speaks to everything you just talked to. The singular voice, the, the, the unique pairing of writer and artist, because this is an artist who drew a lot of Spider-Man in the early 90s, and one of his edicts on the the, uh, the book was, I'm never going to draw, I don't want to draw the same pose twice, and I never want to draw a pose that I've drawn before. And with that artistic challenge and Bendis being told basically, go retell, go tell the Spider-Man story, but do it for the year 2000. It was, it was kind of, people kind of scoffed at the idea, like, oh, how can you do this? And in the beginning, people were very, very, very critical. You got to remember the 11-page origin story in Amazing Fantasy was stretched out into 180 pages in seven-issue arc by Brian Bendis. People were like, this deconstruction comic, this is bullshit. That's 11 pages. What are you doing? But <clears throat> what Bendis was successful in doing and showing in Marvel for their money had faith in him doing it was, hey, we'll take our time with these stories and build more emotional resonance to become closer to the characters. Because, like, yes, Peter Parker was a high school student in the comics. But third little secret, it wasn't that long. And it didn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. The Peter Parker you know about is college Peter. That's where he met Gwen Stacy. That's where he met yeah. Harry Osborne. Yeah. That's the character you really know that really kind of those definitive Spidey runs. That's college Pete. Well, and that's, that's and that's the fun thing. Like when I remember when Homecoming was coming out, people were like, oh, they're telling high school Peter, they're, they're telling, taking mall stories. Like, no, actually, they're not. This is kind of, and, and the MCU has done this a lot. They've mined some of the, the best ideas and things from the Ultimate Run because say what you want about the other books too, like Ultimates, the Ultimate X Men, things like that. Say what you want about them, and they weren't always. Uh, the best ideas, and they went wild sometimes. Like they went, and they, and they had a lot of rotating in curators. Like right, there was never some like the Mark Millar run on X Men's pretty good. Right, but you can tell when the fuck he leaves. Right, right, right. So, 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 but, 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 taking that is there's still a lot of good things in that happen in those runs because, like you said, they went with this more modern take, and they were bringing in things that you could relate to in today's era, and so there were a lot of good things. So the MCU was like, okay, let's take some of those good things and add them in with the normal continuity, and we'll make one new continuity in this MCU. So what they did with you know Spider-Man Homecoming, you're doing that, you're getting high school Peter in a, in a modern setting with something we don't see right? at this point, when you think of a high school Spider-Man, you think miles because in the comics, that's what, that's what we have. But ultimate Spider-Man wise, when you look at what they've done, you're like, Oh, they're kind of telling not that story, but they're telling that Peter, that Peter that has, uh, that his, him, him being Spider-Man in high school and, and the issues that come with that, because, um, like you said, they stretch out the origin of, of, of Parker, uh, of Spy Parker, uh, Peter Parker being Spider-Man in the seven issues. Now he gets bit in the first issue. Um, he's in the suit. I think. I think Uncle Ben dies in that first issue too. But just no. him, he doesn't. Oh yeah. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Hold on. But 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 it's but what I'm saying is it's like it's not like you're you're taking seven issues to get Peter into the suit. It's seven issues, but he's not. Like there's a lot going on. Like you're you're getting you're getting basically the entire fleshing out of 
Peter, Spider-Man, and what's going on and, and, and how he's operating, it's all there. Uh, you're right. It's, 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 less, it's less a story about one kid getting bit. It's, it's a building of a world. Oh, it's, absolutely. Well, it's it, something that, yeah. It, it, well, if we're going to be serious here, building a world, because it's the first of the, uh, the, the, the ultimate line, it's building the ultimate line. You're getting right. a lot of you get a lot of things in the background. Like there's a whole there's a whole background thing in here about mutants, and the X Men don't show up until well, it's a, it's a while. It's like what thirty issues in. You you, you get the when you get uh, Kitty, um, Jean, and, and Storm showing up, but you get this whole underground thing of mutants because people at some point think Spider Man might be a mutant, and you have this whole thing with uh, Liz with her her father who uh, either was it her father or her uncle who disappeared or died and was an it, un- they say it's his uncle, but it's actually your father. Right, and it's this whole thing of, um, you know, her whole anti-mutant thing is on there, and it's, a, it's like an undercurrent throughout the whole thing. And it you 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 don't get like a in, in these at least as you read, we don't get like a, a a a dive into what's going on with her, but it's always in the background. Whenever they bring up Spider-Man, they're talking about powered individual things like that. She's very very anti-mutant, and it just comes up all the time. But it's like a, a, a real conversation you would hear like in a lunchroom somewhere. And that's basically how they built out this, this Ultimate Spider-Man run where, yeah, I can definitely see if you started reading this and you started reading how they were changing some of these characters, it would be, it would be jarring. Like what they do with Norman Osborn, the first time you see Norman Osborn, they basically turn him into a beast from Beauty and the Beast. You know? You're like, what the fuck is this? That's not Green Goblin. What the fuck? The fuck you're doing they what they do with uh auto octavius at first you're like what, what is what, what are we doing here guys this is this is not what i this is not what i know i don't i don't know these characters i don't you know gwen stacy's nowhere say, around go the, ahead the things they did those changes they made with osborne and octavius that's the stuff i love the most because it feels like an actual lived in world and that was one of the things that i thought bendis stuff too if some of the other books got away from the idea that captain america wouldn't stop things that there'd be constant search for the next super soldier and that just like our actual, you know, defense contracting, it would go mostly private sector. And so, like, the idea that Peter Parker is the legitimate, like, the end point or, or a blip in the, the line from Steve Rogers, I love that kind of world building, man. It was a little stuff, like, like the reimagining of Norman and that stuff, I really appreciated and thought that was probably some of the best stuff ever. Oh no, no 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 don't get me wrong like I think when you see the big picture and you get what's actually going on it's it 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 makes all the sense in the world and we'll dive into that right. but I do I it, to me ultimate the ultimate Spider-Man run but this is ultimate Spider-Man run is a perfect example of why you have to give writers especially when you know they're going to be in a book for a while you have to give them a chance to tell their story you know Give them a chance and hear them out because I can definitely see how in those first six, seven issues, you look at the stuff and you go, what the fuck? No, this is stupid. No, this is wrong. This is not how it's supposed to go. You're, you're not telling the story, but it works because the core of the character is still there. Like when you really peel back and you look at some of the, the significant changes they make to some of these characters, like the change they make with Gwen Stacy, you know, um, Things to do with Eddie Brock, um, with, with Peter well, himself, the, and this stuff. Like when you look just, at these things, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just saying, like they had to make changes because they had to make him fit in high school. Gwen Stacy well, is a college student, like exactly. That, and, it, and it makes more sense because it's planned out. Like Eddie Brock was introduced because they didn't. So 
originally the black suit was not going to be a villain when they decided to make it a villain the original pitch for, was it for it to become a woman whose child and husband were killed during a spider-man fight as bystanders but the editor at the time said that they didn't want they didn't think that a woman antagonist would be believable so they literally invented eddie brock from whole cloth the way they do eddie here it's so it mm-hmm. it's, it's part of it it's, you could say it's halfway cheated because he knew what you knew what the kind of familiar inputs were going to be, but even the venom point is not the same. What, what, even the yeah. everything's different. I love the the wrinkles and the changes. And you're right; I can see how some people would be jarring, but for me, it's just if they're retelling the same movie, the same stories. Why would you read that either? Well, and, and I think that's the thing that 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 should be said about Ultimate Spider-Man. It is not. It's not a reboot. It's. Well, I guess it kind of is a reboot. It's not a remake. It's not a retelling. It is basically saying, what if we, what, what if Spider-Man was, you know, bitten in the early 2000s? How would that go? And knowing what we know and knowing what people are expecting from us, how we, like you said, make this world. You know what it reminds me of? And, and it's so funny because we are going to do this. I am, I'm going to finish it before the end of the year and before the end of this month, probably. Um, it's reminding me of, I'm playing through uh, the, the, the PS4 Spider-Man. And the PS4 Spider-Man makes some significant changes to some characters, right? And, and their origins and how things work out, right? But the core is still there, and it still works. It, it kind of reminds us how the same thing happened with um, the Arkham games. Like, they made some big changes there as well, but the core is still there, and it still works. And they're telling not the story we know, but a different story. Um, you know, unfortunately, they're, they're not going to make any more of these, but the Telltale stories. Remember we talked about the Telltale Batman game that first, that first season? And we were talking about yeah. how much we liked it, but it was like it was such a significant change from what we knew, like what they were doing with um, Cobblepot, what they were doing with uh, uh, Thomas Wayne. It was like there's a lot of stuff here that was different than anything we had ever seen before. But we were like we were very very intrigued and brought into the story because it still fit in. That's what Ultimate Spider Man was. Ultimate Spider Man basically said, "All right, let's take what you kind of know, turn everything on its head, but we're going to keep the core still stuff stuff still uh, the core stuff still there." You know. Um, Peter lets the, uh, the the robber who ends up killing his his uh, father go. He, uh, I mean, his his uncle go. Uh, uncle Ben still tells him, you know, with great responsibility must come must also come great responsibility. Like um, it, with great power must also come great responsibility. Like all the stuff still is happening there, but everything around it is kind of different, and um, they've tied it together the different things. Like you said the Oz serum that, that is injected into the spider that bites Peter, which then also is what um, Norman uses to inject himself, is a, a spinoff from, you know, a con- a S.H.I.E.L.D. contracting out to other people to reproduce, you know, Captain America's super soldier serum. So everything still comes back, which is still happens in 616. Everything still goes back to Captain America. And, and this way, they've, they've now tied uh, another... Um, foundation of the marvel cinema uh, the marvel universe which is spider-man into now uh tying him to all these genetic modifications genetic mutations along with everything else is going on so it's it's different but the core of everybody's still there you know the core of everything that's going on is still there and you know norman's still fucking crazy as shit you know he's out of his fucking mind not crazy um right and this time i liked and you talked about how it's it's it, it's an extension of the origin story. So the suit he gets the suit from the wrestling promoter in issue four, which is the same issue where Ben dies. Yeah, there we go. Okay. And so I and well, I guess I guess month to month, if you're expecting to come in here and 
you see the words Ultimate Spider-Man, you're thinking like you're telling ultimate stories, and maybe you misunderstood what the imprint was. But for me, like especially on a reread, like every time I read, it's just it gets more and more. It's one of those things that even the background things have get fleshed out earlier. Like Kong figures out who Peter is very quickly. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love, I love that. The dumb kid in class figures out who Peter Parker is. <laughs> that is awesome. And Peter's like, I gotta take this kick. Yeah, I gotta. Yeah. Oh, fuck, he's gotta. He's like, wait, my punishments are going off. So, oh, that can only mean one thing. Damn it. <laughs> but no, you're 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 absolutely right. Um, but I, I would also say this too. By doing it this way, I think they also what Ben is doing again. I, I think I think. I think this makes it the case for why if somebody has a story to tell, you give them an imprint. Because I remember Ben just saying he thought that when they did this, because again, this is around the time that Marvel was in trouble. Like this, this is, yeah, they were in a lot of trouble. This is a bankruptcy Marvel. You know, Ben is on some like I might be writing the last of Marvel comics. Like <laughs> this might be the last one. We might not. We might not. This might be the last hurrah for Marvel. So he was given a lot of freedom here, but by giving this freedom and, and trusting him and telling the story. He, he he's able to do something that the originals didn't do. There's a lot of side characters here that get a lot more fleshed out. Like one of my favorite characters, and we're going to go through some of these characters that have and there's significant changes here. One of my characters that I think has a significant change, even though it might not seem like that, is Aunt May. Aunt May's story here is great because you get like, there's that one issue. I want to say it's um issue 45 where it's just Aunt May talking to her therapist and. She's talking about how guilty she feels because at some point, um, and again, we'll get into this, uh, Gwen Stacy, Captain Stacy dies, Gwen Stacy moves in with um, Peter and Aunt May and to live with them, and, and May's based on the therapist about how she feels so guilty because the thing that made her go to the therapist wasn't Ben dying, it wasn't, oh, I can't remember who, what else, something, something else happened, it wasn't Peter and the trouble Peter was in, it, it was, you know, Captain Stacy uh dying and 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 yeah, the guilt she felt from saying that she was she thought she wasn't a good person because she asked Gwen to move in with him not because she was trying to be a helpful good person but because she just felt she helped she thought it would help fill the loneliness that she feels because Peter goes out to know he's Spider-Man but he's not always at home anymore and Ben's gone so now she has somebody else that she can take care of and it's like it's just such a it, it it's like an entire issue of that and it's it's a great thing because uh, uh, she's also a little bit you know, she's younger than what you see in the comics now. She's not some old frail woman. She's more a lot. Uh, she's honestly, and again, going back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, taking from Ultimate Line, she's more like you know um, Peter's aunt in in Homecoming, where she's you know she. I mean, it's Mercy to me, so I mean, there's there's that. <laughs> but like she's she's young she's young she kind of feels she's almost like the same age as she's basically the same age of, as his mother would be which has always been a weird thing right aunt may being like his grand looking like his grandmother when that's your aunt shouldn't she be around basically the same age as his mother would be and so in here you have aunt may who i feel like takes way more interest and in responsibility for peter and peter's everyday life like you know it's not just Hey, Peter's skipping school. She goes down and is like, "Hey, no, you need to go to school. What are you doing?" She grounds him. She does things that a mother would typically do. She's not just some, you know, whimsical, you know, old woman who just like, "Oh, Peter will be Peter. He'll be fine." Right? And that's a good significant change because it makes sense. It's not wheat cakes and shit. Like, so Bendis, um, 
based her on his Jewish aunt, who was like in the same age range, who like definitely helped raise him growing up. And so I thought it was cool. Like it, it, that's how a single mom would be. Like she's raised this kid, but she's also raised a good kid, and she gives him a lot of leeway. It's less like she's the doddering, oh, I have no idea what's going on in my own house. It's more like I trust you because you're a good kid. Don't fuck this up. And he does fuck this up a lot. Yeah. And she has to call him. I was like, what do you mean? Like, he'll, like, the funniest thing is when he's trying to lie to her about where he's at. Like, there's that one time he tells, uh, like, <laughs> she calls, um, she calls MJ. MJ's like, he's at, he's at the library. And he tells her he was, he was somewhere else. And, she, and he, when he, when Peter goes to talk to MJ again, he, she's like, well, you told me to tell her you were to the library. He's like, yeah, that's my fault. I messed that up. I, I, I forgot the lies with the keeps. Like, dude, you can't forget your own lie. You can't. You can't forget your own lie. You, you gotta, you gotta stick with your lie. You, you got to. So, um, the May Parker who once apparently yelled a, a proposal at Jimi Hendrix when he's on stage, which is like she ran hilarious. Fifteen, like, like it's, it's, it's. I like that they made her more lived in and less just like an obstacle for Peter to avoid. Yeah, she. It makes sense. It is like I said, and but that's that's the again when it can come off as jarring. It's the thing that stands out to you. Um, it's the thing that 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 draw draws you in, and um, yeah. So it's just yeah, yeah. Because she's I'm, I'm looking at the panel now. She's like I'm using her. There's no other way to say it. I'm using her. Uh, this girl loses her father. Girl's abandon. Uh, girl's mother abandons her. I take her in, say out of the goodness of my heart, but really, really, she's there for me, not for her, for me. She's there to give me something to do for the hour and a half in the evening where I don't. That hour and a half where I stop moving for a second, I'll be left with the thoughts of my my own thoughts. I'll have to hear the ghost. You know, she's like, yeah, I have ghosts. They don't talk. They don't talk, talk. They don't do anything. I can't see them like, that crazy. But when it's quiet, when it's quiet, I know they're there. So I used this girl. I dragged her into my home under the pro- false pretense of ki- kindness. And I did it just so there was just enough ruckus in the house to cover it up. The quiet, you know, and it's, you know, it's, 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 it's funny. Like I said, I think it's, at one point she says it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, when, when, when her, uh, her brother died, it wasn't when, when, when uncle Ben died, it, it, it it's this. And she's just like, I can't help it. And then she goes into this whole thing about Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man, uh, her, 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 her issues with Spider-Man, it's not even the issues with Spider-Man, just like it kind of shows her how dangerous the world is. She brings that up. Um, also, there's a whole, cause you, you get this hint that you know, early on that she has a little thing for Captain Stacy, and then he dies. And she even kind of brings that up because the therapist brings it up. It's like, is this partly because you had some romantic feelings for him? And, she's, and the therapist is also like, well, you know, it's fine for you to want to move on is like a year since, you know, uncle, you know, since Ben died, you know, it's okay to, you know, have, you know, romantic feelings for other people. And is that part of your guilt here? But it's just like, they made her, like you said, feel like a fully fleshed out person that had her own thing going on. And it kind of comes together when you get the, you know, we, we mentioned it before, so I'll kind of jump to the end of this run. When, 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 when Peter dies and we, the whole thing was miles when, when miles, I think it's miles, um, Gwen and, and MJ confront Miles and kind of give them their their blessing. It's this you see what you know. It, it makes sense because these th- those three women have become so much more than just side characters in this. I mean, bringing up MJ, you know, the whole thing with you know, him fi- him telling MJ that he's Spider Man in issue thirteen. 
you then have this whole thing where you no longer have this thing of him, of Peter running around trying to tell the woman that he loves that he's, you know, trying to hide the fact that he's Spider-Man because it doesn't make any sense. And it, it, it changes up their whole dynamic, it changes up their whole relationship. And um, it allows these characters to become so much more than what they were outside of the Ultimate Universe. And again, I th- I, it's different, but the core is still there. It's, it's different because Bendis is given the benefit of hindsight. Like when Stacy would introduce and when killed off, we didn't know the status she would take kind of in the spider mythos. But now the name Gwen Stacy matters. Mary Jane, you got to remember, look, they mean a lot to us now, but at the time, they're like, they're trying out new characters. Mm-hmm. They're just trying, they're building things that maybe this work, maybe it won't. People have been forgotten by the wayside of, of history, but these two that made it, and like, this is my second favorite Gwen Stacy behind the Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man Blue. Which is still the saddest comic I've ever read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it became in, her legacy is retroactively so important that both those characters had to matter for the for the for the series really to land. And I think it's 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 a testament to Bendis that not just Mary landed, not just Gwen landed, but Mary, Gwen, and May all landed, and they all landed on their own. None of them are dependent upon. Peter to be important or to matter. Oh, absolutely. You know, in this run, because we do one through uh, 59, <clears throat> 57 through 59 is where, you know, it's, 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 Spider-Man goes to Hollywood. They're doing so meta. This book gets so meta at times. They, they are literally doing a, making a Spider-Man the movie. <laughs> and Peter's so pissed because he gets no money out of this. <laughs> but during that time, this is also when Gwen finds out that uh, Peter's Spider-Man. And um, also throughout the time, she also she keeps saying that Spider-Man killed her father. She knows it's not actual Spider-Man that killed her father. It's some random guy. And I love the fact that it was just a random guy in a Spider-Man costume. You know, it wasn't like some supervillain. It wasn't a clone. It was just some random guy. Was like, oh well, I thought it would. I thought it was. A, I thought it was a cool thing to do. Dressed up as Spider-Man and Rob Banks, and he ended up killing uh, Captain Stacy. And um, Gwen kind of blames Spider-Man for this because. If Spider-Man wasn't, if Spider-Man wasn't, Spider-Man, maybe this guy wouldn't have dressed up as him and stuff like that. So when she finds out Peter's, you know, Spider-Man, she kind of gets upset, but she gets over it. I mean, it's very, very quickly. It's not like a 10-issue spate, uh, spat of her, you know, moping around about it. She kind of goes, you know, I probably would have figured it out on my own anyway, because you guys are kind of bad at keeping the secret. <laughs> and I swear, like, two issues before then, Mary Jane had given... Peter a list of all the people who knew who he was a, who who knew he was Peter uh, knew that Peter Parker was Spider Man, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, well, the X Men know, um, the Ultimates know, Nick Fury knows. Well, he knows everything, so it's okay. And they're all superheroes, so it's like kind of like a professional courtesy thing. So <laughs> I love I love that when he's unmasked in front of the X Men, he's like, I want one day people let people figure out Peter Parker. We didn't know your name. God, damn it. <laughs> Well, no, no. My favorite, my favorite thing when he meets the X Men is the whole thing when Gene's like thanks him. It's like yeah. thank you, thank you, yo, thank you for not. You're the first guy who, when they meet me, their first thought isn't seeing me naked until now. And there's like nine panels, and she's probably like, "Are you done?" He's like, "Yeah." Well, now I am. Like it just. Yo, it's, but, so, it's so because he, he wouldn't have gone there if she shouldn't have taken him there. Right. I mean, he was he, legit. Like he was talking to other shit. He's like, "You're the first guy in Musk who the picture naked first. Ooh. <laughs> well, now that you bring it up, that, I mean, it's really her own fault. Like, I to mean, play Peter here is to blame the victim. Right. I, she intruded his mind. 
I mean, we're being real here. Yes. Um, but no, you're, you're, you're right. It's, um, it's this way of, well, I even like the idea that so many people do know who he is, that they, that do know he's Spider-Man because, and that like some of his greatest villains and Otto and, and, and Norm, uh, and, uh, uh, Norman, that they, they know he's, um, uh, uh, they, they know he's Spider-Man because it's like, it just makes sense. Like Norman figuring out that he's Spider-Man was like, duh, of course he figured it out. Of course he knew. Of course the team knew because it's like you have a guy running around. It's your spider and and your and your thing. You 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 paid his hospital bills. You know you kind of figure something might happen to him anyway. Well, and so you, you had to get the blood sample early, right? So it's like you knew. So 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 the idea that Norman would figure it out that he's that that he's Spider Man and, and and know all this stuff made sense. So those early issues kind of set that 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 table for you know Peter's greatest enemy knowing out the gate. That he's Spider-Man has his abilities, and they turn it into the thing that makes it grounded, makes it real. That you know, Norman's trying to he he needs Oz, he needs this he needs this formula to work to to keep this government contract. And um, Peter didn't die from it. They thought he was going to die from it. He didn't die from it. So now he's like, okay, I got to figure out what he's going on. And 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 Osborne basically going, wait, now this kid's running around with my property. Which again is the whole thing. Like you're 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 running with my property. My property is flowing through your blood, and you're gonna work for me. You're gonna do what I want you to do. You're gonna give me what I need, and that's basically the whole basis of the relationship. And while the transformation uh, into Goblin is different, his look is different. Um, he is at his core still the greedy son of a bitch that Norman Osborn has always been. <laughs> Like they even like for me the first most jarring thing was like his hair's different, but it's not a Brillo pad. Right. It's like you know what it looked, it looked like it looked like the it looked like the one in um the Spider Man uh video game. Yeah, it looks like oh, that. We, we're gonna, I can't wait for you to finish that game. Yeah, and talk about yeah, that. yeah. Um, but you know, and, and that's what it is, and and it's so jarring. Like um, I can't remember what issue it is. I think it's the. Um, it's not the first fight. It's the second fight with him, with 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 Norman as the Green Goblin, and it's that one issue where they repeat the issue before it, but this time yeah. it's from Norman's. It's it's from his point of view, and you're like, oh, he's also crazy as fuck, because you oh, have that is a little crazy. Norman's crazy, crazy. Right, right. So you're getting you're getting like what's going through Norman's head and what he sees when he sees Spider-Man and the craziness. And you're like, Oh, he's out of his goddamn mind. <laughs> oh, but again, we've covered this before in six, one, six Spider-Man Norman is out of his mind. It makes sense. It makes sense that this would happen. And then, you know, we're early on here, but you see what happens with Harry, you know, with Harry being manipulated by his dad, Basically being uh, taken off and given hypnotic uh, and uh, hypnotherapy to forget certain things, and then then being then then when this, the third time being taken by Shield, like Harry goes through it, you know, and right. you you see this and like everything just it is different, but it's also the same. And it all and I like how it all kind of narratively builds. Like when it starts, Peter's just dealing with the kingpin, and you say kingpin, that's big old boy. Spoilers, he was introduced originally in Spider-Man, and the idea that he'd be Peter's first kind of, the, like, a kid. That's the way a kid sees the world. Like, this bad man does bad things. Why aren't people noticing? Mm -hmm. I'm going to make him notice. 
Mm-hmm. And he gets footage of the king, and, and he takes him down in a way that makes sense for 20, for the year 2001. He didn't fight him and web him to a light post like, good luck, cops. He found video evidence of him murdering a man and got him brought down that way. Yeah, give and it then a you bit. get one of my favorite scenes early is when they're talking at the restaurant. Oh, dude. Did you? Young, young... man, have you webbed my feet to the floor? Yes, I, maybe. <laughs> what, what, why would you find them amusing? And see, that's if Will, this, uh, Willie, I don't get you, you don't get me. <laughs> Yo, because that scene happens. I've read that. I, I, I took a screenshot of that. It's, it, it is classic Fisk Spider-Man. It's just yeah. classic. Like, why would you do that? You had no, you had, why would you find that funny? It's just, you're such a, because again, um, uh, Kingpin doesn't know that it's Peter Parker, but he he's seen. Um, he's taking the mask off. He's taking the mask off. Like, and, and that's again the the thing that I think that gets the ultimate run to me is things happen and they make sense. It's like this is a kid who's a smart kid, but he's he's a high school kid. He's fifteen to sixteen. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to get unmasked. Things are going to happen. You see what now? He makes so many mistakes. Yeah, he makes so many mistakes. Even the first time he's fighting Kingpin, like he gets taken down a lot, and he realizes, he's like, "Yo, I'm being stupid. I'm trying to fight, you know, with my fist. I'm trying to take him down." Because he tries to go and take down, because uh, basically he's told by another one of Fist's guys where Fist will be and how he can take him down. Because that guy's basically trying to ruin Fist's night, and Fist later on pops his head like a fucking grape. Like it's, <laughs> whew, yeah. Um. But Peter realizes that, and 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 Fist has uh, Electro there, you know. Um, and Peter realizes that he's trying to, you know, take these people on physically and face to face. Like I got to find another way. And that's when he, you know, uses he he is he's been working at the the Daily Bugle. He kind of uh, because he had the pictures of Spider Man, and he and he and again he's not there as a photographer. He's there because he knew how to fucking design a web page. Which again, I, I, love, I love that twist. It, but it makes sense, right? Why the the, the Jay Jones is not going to hire somebody, some some kid to be a freelance, some high schooler to be a freelancer. But in two thousand, a high schooler who can fix the web, web can fix your website for you, he's going to hire from that. Absolutely, that would absolutely fucking happen, especially at that time. Also, I love the fact fact that uh, I think it was Liz that he had. He was like, Liz, you know how to do this. I you know I t- gave you a class. He's like, he was it was a class for one day. It was a day. It was a day long class. If you took me, gave me a day long class to learn German, I wouldn't come back and be able to speak German. It's like I can't do this. And Peter comes. It's like, oh no, I know how to do that, and it makes sense. So he knows that you know that uh, Ben Ehrlich is, is is working on you know trying to take down Kingpin. So he goes out and he's like, I'm gonna go. The, go I'm gonna go get this evidence. And so he gets. He finds out that um, figures out that you know, uh, you know they, they were again. It, it it all makes sense. He's in class. And they're talking about um, uh, Nixon, and they're wondering why Nixon, who's so paranoid, would, would 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 tape everything. And the thing is, like, because he thinks that he's untouchable. He's and it just clicks, and Peter's like, "Oh, I'm betting you that that's the same thing that um, Fisk is doing. He's taping everything because he saw the, the the surveillance equipment in there. He saw the cameras. And he he does some detective work. He figures it out, and um, he goes to get this tape that shows." Uh, Fist killing this man and throwing a throwing a, again because Fist is Fist. He doesn't just get the tape. It's it's so cool because you get to watch him learn. Mm-hmm. So he fights the enforcers and beats the dog shit out of him yeah. this time. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's the second fight's always so much fun with him because it's like 
he's like, I, okay, you're right. You did kick my, and he even points it out like some points is like, it's someone new, which means they're probably going to beat you up the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I don't know who this is. So, you know, I'm probably getting my head kicked in for a while. I, I love you know, the, I love the enforcers because it's like, there's at least in this first three, this first 10, 10 volumes, this is 10, the, the first 10 volumes of this. Um, at least happens like three or four times. And that last time, one of the guys is like, we're breaking up. We can't do this anymore, guys. Like we suck. We because he keeps because it's like when they go to try to confront um, Jay Jonah, and 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 again Peter beats this, beats the fuck out Peter's of him. Like I did not come here to help him. Right. I came here to affirm talking to maybe put him to something. Right. Now you're making me save his life. Right. Look what you've done. <laughs> look what look what you have done. And at the end, like there's like we hate this. We hate this kid. We're breaking up. We can't keep doing this. And it just, I just find that funny, like that consistency between of, of those characters. So and again, it shows you what happens when you have one writer telling this entire story. You get moments like that where you see all of these characters grow. Where you even get the enforcers going, "God damn it, this kid again!" <laughs> like not this kid. Well, this kid in the pajamas again. My favorite binge's running gag is when. Um, people are being brought into the precinct, dressed up as other heroes, screaming things that are happening in other books, mm-hmm. like secret, in, secret invasion. Who can you trust? The last Miles issue he wrote before he left, they had a scene like that, and the person's yelling, yeah, like, "You know, hardest pull off a running gag in fifteen years for eighteen years in comics." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant. This is brilliant. It's great. It's great. It's great. Um, so <laughs> you gotta love that. But yeah, so he takes down Fist, and then. You um you get the whole thing with with, with Norman because Norman has decided to inject himself with Oz and you know kills kills his wife you know and scares the dog shit out of Harry who Harry's telling everybody that that was my dad and then we know how that turns out um he gets corrected gets, yeah correct is a good word um you have Otto Octavius who was working for Norman Osborn but was also a an an, an an industrial spy for uh, Justin Hammer, and um, he gets fused to his uh, his uh, his arms. Um, so it, it happens in this experiment, the experiment, the same experiment where uh, uh, Norman Osborn is injecting himself. He gets uh, Otto gets gets fused to these, and again at first the whole auto thing because I, rem- I remember when this happened i remember when you, you get auto octavius as dr octopus the first time and i remember seeing i didn't i wasn't reading the, the ultimate spider-man at the time but i remember seeing like the the the, the reaction of people because they were like uh, dr octavius he's blind and they've chained dr octavius and they've done all this stuff and then you find out that not really it really wasn't what it is you can't no. yeah it's no. yeah he had a light sensitivity and he still wore he that why he wore the glasses and honestly, later on, that kind of goes away. And he's really just Dr. Yeah. Octavius. He's Dr. Octopus again. He has a mental connection to the arms, which becomes terrifying later on in, the, in that run. Like in the, the issues were from the later issues with the, the Hollywood, Hollywood issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, when they're like, and he, no, no, it's not even, I'm sorry, it's not the Hollywood issues. The, I read the Ultimate Six one when they finally put the Ultimate, oh, the, 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 the Sinister Six together in, in the Ultimate verse. When he goes in the room and he's and he's having this conversation and it's close up as close up on Otto and you don't hear anything and he's like and he he, he ends basically saying but look I know you guys aren't gonna believe me I kind of have to show you and when he says show you the next page is him and the arm he's not in the arms but he's controlled the arms to basically impale all four of the people in the room I'm like oh, that's a fucking panel like, well and, and that's the thing is that they kind of do a really good job in this series is that they balance like the lighthearted like 
Peter at high school stuff, Peter trying to figure out his life with like this super intense like body horror. Like when Octavius wakes up the first time. Oh, yes. Yeah, and he kills that entire room of people. Yeah. Like it's not like this isn't a soft pedaling of Sandman. Mm. The existence of Sandman in this universe is horrific. He is described as a prisoner who they sprang from a prison, put into this experimental testing, gave him um, the sand powers, but they don't, he's forgotten how to talk. Like it's like, and I love the the fact that Hammer Industries and that Osborne, like the backdrop of, and that's just kind of me. I am kind of conspiratorial in my, my thinking towards like large corporations, but I love that it wasn't these. So in, in old school comics, it's like, it was a science experiment gone wrong every other month. But now we've given these science experiments names and faces and they keep coming up and they deal with that too. Like, like at one point, uh, I don't remember what we read here. I've read the whole series in the last two months, but Peter's like every two months I deal with these idiots and it's someone from Roxon or hammer or Oscorp or one of these big fucking corporations. And, uh, I think it's cognizant early in the run. Like what if all this stuff's leading to something? Well, well, why why are we having Spider-Man and all these genetic mutations? And you see that shields express purpose. This is like they'll call the, these people like you're in a legal genetic modification. Your existence mm-hmm. is illegal. There are no laws, so we can do what we want to you, which is creepy but also true. Well, and that's why I like the fact that I read those Ultimate Six issues because you see, you mm-hmm. see how far Shield has gone. Where it's basically like, yeah, you're basically there is no due process for these people because like they they're, they're, the back thought about this entire thing is like mutants exist and mutants have you know. People have there might be some anti mutant things, but like they're like it, I think Nick Fury explained it as, you know, mutants are an act of God. So I mean, nothing we can do about it. But you genetically modifying yourself and doing this on purpose and then going out here and being a bad guy, oh no, your your rights are gone. You belong to us. We can do with you what we want. You know, basically early on, that's the other thing too, it's like Nick Fury and them was like, Oh no, no, we know you're Peter Parker. <laughs> you say, wait, what? What? Because this is that early on when Norman Osborn attacks a school, and then Peter starts having to talk to the therapist, like, what, what's going on? He's like, what's in this room? And Nick Fury shows up. He's like, no, 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 dude. Like, we know. It's like, listen, you're a kid. Enjoy yourself as a kid. Once you turn 18, you belong to me. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I mean, as long as you're not a problem, you get to join the Ultimates, but, you know, and work for the government. Well, he eventually, he eventually clarifies that. When he says, you belong to me, it does take that sinister note early on because. Right. One, we all know don't trust Nick fucking Fury. Right. But like it's like you don't trust I, him, but I also like trust it. him. It's like weird. But that but it's also but it's also that's how a teenager would take that because exactly. what's the main axiom of any teenager? Don't trust don't you can't trust adults. Yeah, don't trust authority. Yeah. Trust authority. So Nick Fury being like, You're minor eighteen, and he later clarifies like, No, you idiot, you're gonna be an ultimate. Like, don't be an asshole. Right, right, right. You unless I have to. Yeah, unless unless you unless you make me, then 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 you really belong to me. You know, it's like yeah, um, kind of belonging. But um, but you're right. But there's also that thing, and I think that the thought of Roxy, we I don't think we've gotten Roxy yet in these issues, but we do get this underlying thing because a lot of people that again, you get these conversations from kids. So you have these kids, and I think the kids. You also have uh, Aunt May when she's talking to the therapist in, in issue forty five. She's saying this kind of the same thing. She's like. You know, all this stuff is happening. We get Spider-Man. We have all these other, the, 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 the we have, uh, you know, what happened with Norman Osborn. You have Dr. Octavius. We have all these people co- coming up and popping in. What's going on? Like, this is, um, this is weird. This is like, you know, um, what, there, this has to be leading something. I think, I think it's, um, I think it's Kong, 
was it Kong? I think he said something about it. It's yeah, like, Kong, the, 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 yeah, he's like, this is this is leading something. Maybe this is there's a purpose of this. Maybe this is maybe this is uh you know uh this is what happens when they're letting us know that it's the end of times and things like this because all these things are are popping up all of a sudden, and um, it's it's kind of this really dark thing that's happening, like you said, in this background of you know kids doing silly things like you know wanting to be an extra on the Spider-Man movie. You know, it's. Or, or- Every time they go to a crowd shot, it's the same conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as teenagers, like the, the background noise is always like you're grounded. This burger is disgusting. I can't believe what he did. Like it's I I just it's something about capturing the mundanity of being a teenager. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job of it. I think they've been this, particularly as we get in the second half of this next time, it's a really good balance struck. Yeah. Um. One thing, another character that I think they've changed here, um, and at least at least up to these issues here, he's not he. He's a menace, but he's not a villain. Like we named Jay Jonah as a villain, and and when we were talking about uh, Peter Parker in the other series, like he is a flat out a villain. Here, he's a menace. He hates Spider Man. You can't figure out why. But then you get those issues where he uh, is is trying to. Um, he has a, the Daily Bugle uh, endorse that one guy who's in bed with that one pair sample who's running for mayor who is uh, in bed with basically the the kingpin. And um, uh, Jay Jonah has to take back his endorsement because he finds out all this stuff is going on. Um, and he because when when Peter asked him, it's like it's like because again, so Fisk gets on videotape killing somebody. Of course, Wilson Fisk gets out. Of course, somehow tape gets thrown out. And Peter, being a high schooler, not just as Spider Man, but as a high schooler, can't understand why everybody knows this guy is evil. <laughs> Why is he not, you know, again, as adults, we're like, because that's just how the world works, right? And and honestly, that's kind of how everybody's kind of blowing off. Like, nobody finds it to the point that he's in school and he gets really upset at his teacher for kind of blowing it off to the point that she he got he got suspended and his aunt couldn't figure out <laughs> why he was so, what happened. He's like, did you threaten her? It's like, I didn't threaten her. I just, you know, I just, I just, I was just angry and I didn't understand it. He asked, um, uh, uh, Jay Jono why... Uh, they're so focused on trying to, you know, take down Spider-Man when you have an evil guy in, in, in Wilson Fisk and, and J. Jonah fires him for even asking the question, right? And, you know, after Spider-Man saves uh, J. Jonah from the, 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 uh, uh, the, um, the enforcers and also after May had kind of you know, laid into him because, you know, Aunt May lays the fuck into uh, J. Jonah several times and it's hilarious. <laughs> I love Aunt May. I'm sorry. I cannot tell you how much I love Aunt May in this. Like, Aunt May is fucking awesome. I love when J. Jonah gives him a job like he says, hey, you're in. Yeah? Don't ever do that to me again. Yeah, never put your, never, never even put on the phone with your aunt again. Never do that again. Don't ever do that again. Right. Um, so, but like, when, when Peter, you know, when Spider-Man leaves and Peter goes home, J. Jonah's sitting outside of his house. And he talks to him. He, explain, he basically, he doesn't know that he's, he's, he, he's talking to Spider-Man here. But he's talking to Peter. He's explaining to Peter why he fired him. He's just like, and why he's so angry at Spider-Man being called a hero. He's like, because again, this is the first time when, when Spider-Man saves him, he realizes that, you know, Spider-Man is also a hero and stuff like that. But he's like, yo, my son died in, as an astronaut. He died. And nobody gives me information on what happened. It's classified. Nobody tells me. And he's not looked at as a hero. He's a hero. And then this, this guy comes around and, and dresses Spider-Man and gets called a hero. Why does he get to be a hero? My son doesn't get to be one. It's a, it's like, it's a real conversation. And you're like, J. Jonah, you're an asshole. 
but I totally understand as a because if you think about it, Ultimate Spider-Man, especially these these first issues, is a it's a bunch of grieving people. You have Gwen Stacy grieving her father. You have you know May grieving Ben. You have Jason who's grieving his his lost son, and he realizes he's like, yo, I've never dealt with that grief. This is my way of dealing with the grief, basically being an asshole to everybody else around me. And it it it, it it's a weird thing, like. People these days, when we talk about movies, use the word grounded yeah. in the wrong way. Like, to me, grounded doesn't mean strip away everything that's fantastical. Grounded means, like, have some way of connecting emotionally to your audience. Ground them in some kind of real real emotion. That's grounded to me. It doesn't mean physically grounding things and removing the, the fantastical elements. It's like... People tell me all the time, it's like, oh, well, this is why, you know, you know, Venom would have been a better movie if it was R-rated. It was like, no, it wouldn't have been a better movie if it was R-rated. It would just have been a shitty R-rated movie. Like, that emotional scene in, in Infinity War with Peter turned to dust in, in, in Tony Stark's hand, that's a PG-13 scene, but it's grounded in real emotion because, you know, Peter's a, a, a high school kid. You know, uh, Tony had just had that conversation about kids with, with Pepper, and then he watching this kid that he worked with in, in Homecoming turn the dust in his hand, that's grounded in real emotion. And when you look at the Ultimate Spider-Man series, that's what they did here. A lot of these things that happen, they might be far off from what you know in the 616 universe, but they're so grounded in real emotion that you can't help but connect to them. Like, you connect to them. There's even the, the connecting to, to Otto Octavius and his anger at first. It had nothing to do with Parker or Peter at first. It was, he was angry. He, the first thing, when he didn't have his memory, he went to try to hunt down Justin Hammer. He's like, you did this to me. You were behind this. And you kind of have, like, you're like, and kind of see why he's upset. Like all the stuff is there, you know. So I don't know. I, I think that to me is is the, is the the thing that makes the Ultimate Spider-Man run so good. Is Bendis did such a great job of grounding these things in real in, in, in real emotion and making you feel um, feel something for these characters. And even though there's some, even though they're characters you know, they're different enough and but still recognizable. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, it's, it's. And I love what you said there about it being grounded in real emotions. Because while you can decry the origin story not killing Uncle Ben till issue four, I cared more about this Ben than I did in the other iteration. Yeah, maybe not Martin because I got West Wing feelings, but the rest, like this, everything matters. Everything doesn't impact every issue that is kids arguing in the lunchroom or May and her therapist. It matters because it further grounds the series in believability. Sure, yeah, there's there's fantastic elements. Of course, there's. It's a book about a kid who dresses in admittedly less than interesting, less than uh, exciting uh, undergarments and fights crime. But it's it's done in a way where you give a shit about the characters. I care about Kenny Kong, which yeah. is stupid. I care about the kids. I care about Aunt May. Yo, and, yeah. But it hasn't been for years besides someone to show us just how emotional and, and, and loving Peter can be. Well, and the thing, you know, you see, like, Uncle Ben, he dies in issue four, but you get a long-lasting effect beyond just, you know, with great power. You know, you, you get a long-lasting effect about that. One, Peter has nightmares. That's like, a, that's like, a, like wow, okay. That makes sense. Like, there's times when you're reading an issue and Peter wakes up, you know, screaming for Uncle Ben. Like, he 
because it, it haunts him what happened. Um, two, you had like, again, going back to the, the th- you know, we talk about the therapist uh, issue in 45, but throughout the song, between that and, and, and that, that issue, Aunt May's overprotectiveness of Peter, because that's all she has left. Like at one point she's having a conversation with Peter. It's just like, she asked Peter, like, do you like me? Like, cause you're never here. You're, you're never around. And I, and I feel that, you know, now it's like when your uncle Ben's gone, when, when you're gone, like I have nobody there, which then goes into 45 when she talks about, you know, why she was so eager to let Gwen live with them. You know, it's just like, well, she, she has somebody that's there. She's, she's so alone. And that, Ben's death, well, yes, it's it's obviously a, a motivating thing for for Peter being Spider-Man, but you see how that death has affected so many other characters but that have been around, you know? Um, and so and that's just great. Uh, the other thing they did here, and it's something that they started doing and they made Spider-Man movies, they, they, they give you a larger lore with Peter's parents, particularly his father. Um, and it's something that, that ties in here, and you see this, Come to fruition when they when they introduce Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock and Venom in the suit, and the uh, Venom is is no longer a uh, symbiote is no longer a, an alien life form. It's something that they that Richard Parker and Eddie Brock's father. What was Eddie Brock's father's name? Was it was it also Eddie? Is it Eddie Brock Jr.? I think it is Eddie. I think it was. Sorry, I was I was muted. It's Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Richard and Eddie created this thing. And, and it's a couple things. One, it goes back to your thing about, you know, uh, uh, corporations where they wanted to help change the world, but they end up having to get funding. And the way you get funding when you're a researcher is you basically make weapons for the government or some contractor that makes weapons for the government. And they take your work, <laughs> you know. And um, this is something they were working on. And there's this whole underlying thing that, you know, uh, they were killed for it. Um, and you, uh, you see this, and this is what it was. It was tied. It was, it was tied to their DNA, which is why the suit bonds with, uh, with Peter and it, you see what it enhances and what it becomes and, and Eddie, Eddie bonds with it. It's again, it changes the whole dynamic of the suit and, and, and what it means and what it does, but the core of what it did there makes sense and honestly I feel like it like I don't want to say it's better because I'm seeing what what they're doing with Venom now in these books here and it's fucking amazing like if you're not reading the Venom book you should read the Venom book you're missing out I never thought I'd say that yeah you're missing out but in terms of an origin for the black suit and Venom and things like that this actually fully ties it into Peter and makes it, it it makes it more than just some random uh, uh, alien suit that somehow found his way onto bonding with Peter Parker. So the best thing about Venom as a villain, I'm not saying as a character, is that he is the personification of great power comes great responsibility. He mm-hmm. is Peter's rejected suit, rejected symbiote that is now his responsibility. They did it in a, in a different way here that I really enjoyed. I love the issue. He's only in the suit for like an issue, I think. Yeah, it's only an issue. He takes he takes the bullet. He goes, "Do you guys see that? I can take a bullet." <laughs> I think he's so, and and it's it's great because when Kirk Connor comes back, he's like, "I saw you in the suit in form too." Mm-hmm. What do you mean face form fitting? And so the idea behind the suit was you wear the suit and it maximizes what your body already does and dampens what you don't need. It's legitimately designed as a cure for cancer. Yeah, 
because it was key to Richard's DNA. That's why Peter was able to wear it. When Eddie, because of the, and I love how they slowly unveiled that Eddie's not a great guy. Oh yeah, the stuff with stuff with Gwyn. Yeah, yeah. Yo, like, uh, not not a great guy is underselling it, but I'll just leave it that for this. And the suit becomes something different on him. It's eating him. Yeah, it's killing him. Mm-hmm. And it's Peter's response. And Peter feels. And yo, um, I love this book. You can't fight with the the the, the, the mask so much, Peter. Like, and then you get surprised people know who you are. <laughs> right. Oh, you're never wearing that mask, man. But it's I, I I I do enjoy this Venom at least origin more because I feel like it ties directly to Peter, his history, his personal responsibility. Because he went and got it because it was his father's work, and he's missing his dad. It was a period where, as an orphan would have these phases where he's like, I miss my, I wish my parents were here. None of this feels real. None of this feels fair. I got handed a shit hand. And I can't remember if it's in the, I don't think it's in the, uh, is it in the issues we, we read where he confronts Fury about who killed his parents? Uh, he uh, he does the first time and Fury's like, I don't, I didn't do it. I didn't, I don't kid, I was in college. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't. And I think I love that as you're reading it, you get bought in. You're like, yeah, these people killed his parents. But in actuality, it looks like the plane just went down. Yeah. Well, and, like, and, it's yeah. Shit hand. Yeah. Oh, well, well, and then also, you know, by time, by making, again, the, the thing about the Ultimate Series is it makes people you didn't think mattered matter. Like, in, in early Spider-Man, Peter's parents don't really matter. If we're going to be honest, they don't. They were S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And yeah. They tell some pretty cool green stories with it. But yeah, in the large scheme, they don't matter. You're right. Right. Here, it's like, you know, Peter creates the his web fl- fluid because he uses part of his his father's notes. His father was a scientist, too. And Peter's kind of following his footsteps, and he he he, he has a breakthrough and, and takes what his father started working on, and that's how he creates his web fluid from it, you know. And so you're seeing a um, you're seeing a a son who is following his fo- father's footprint. And again, going to Amazing Spider-Man, that's kind of the origin they were going for in, in that in that in that movie. There, they were taking these these elements there and going from there. So yeah, it's just it's just it, it, like I said, I, I love how they. They break all these things down, and like you said, you see Peter as a high school kid. You see him making choices. the The suit always getting messed up. Like again, they, they make things on the ground. Like he's always getting his suit messed up. And so there was that one time when him and MJ broke up, and so he didn't have another suit <laughs> to wear because she was the one who made him the last one. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, like, okay, I'm, I'm good at, um, I'm good at science and stuff like that, but I can't sew. So it's like, yeah, Peter he didn't make his fucking suit. So I've been covering a hole in my butt with blue packing tape. Yeah, like is is so it's, it's fucking hilarious. So it's like there's that one issue where he goes to like the the the, the sports store. He's like he he thinks he, he he doesn't know what to buy. He was like, yeah, I'm looking for like a a, a red or blue like wrestling uniform. And he's trying to explain. He's like, yeah, but like covering all like the entire the entire covering the entire body. He's like, it's not a wrestling uniform. It's somewhere like I don't know, like you know, like a dancer's uniform. And the guy's just looking at him like, we don't sell that here. No. What are you looking for? He tries to call the um, the wrestling the the, uh, the the wrestling outfit that he wrestled with to see if they still had uh, his old suit. Like it's just it's yeah. so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And finally, MJ's like when they him and MJ are talking, and um, she's like, "Well, I did start making a, a suit for you before we broke up. So, but I I didn't I didn't get to finish it. So he's like, he puts a suit on and it doesn't fit." 
<laughs> he's like, oh he's like, man. Are you sure you were making it for me? Right. <laughs> right. And he goes out. He's like, oh man, if I go out here, like I'm gonna get clowned so hard. He's like, maybe I just don't go. Maybe you know, because I can deal with everything else, but I can't deal with people making fun of me for how my costume looks right now. And it's ridiculous, more ridiculous than usual. Because, oh, matter of fact, you know what? This is when I think this is the costume he's wearing when he goes and meet the X. Yeah, and he eventually meets the X Men. It is so fucking hilarious, yo. That whole entire thing is just fucking great. It's uh, this book has been. It's, I love when he's swinging. He's swinging in the suit. He's like, "Well, this is gonna go poorly." Yeah, he's he's like, like, I, I knew this was gonna go really poorly. He's like, "Yeah, no, this is this is not gonna go well. This is this is gonna this is gonna go really really bad." Because like when he when he stops the dude and then he goes and he's like, "Yo, stay here. I'm gonna go stop this." Like. This bodega robbery, right? He goes in there, and the guy's basically laughing at him. He's like, "Wait!" He's like, "I'm Spider Man." He's like, "Are you really though?" Because that that costume is <laughs> bad. I think I'm like assholes, assholes. Right. <laughs> great, fine. Right. Oh man. Um. I said we've been all over the place. So we didn't want to. I mean, like, I think the best way to do do this run is basically just talk about the big themes of it. Um, because right. it's a pretty linear story. But again, I think this is this is a great run, and and and. I think it fills a gap when people we were talking about the what the Ultimate Universe was, which is you need a jumping in point for Spider Man. This is right. great. This is why this book sold so well because again, it quickly becomes again, I, I understand the first seven issues, you're like, This is not my Spider Man. Like it kinda is, but like some of the things are just too much. But the longer you go on here, it becomes your Spider Man. Like later on when Norman comes back all of a sudden Norman Osmond shows up, like Harry comes back to school. He's like, hey, yeah, my father wants to meet you. He's like, what was, wait, your father? Wait, I thought your father's the Green Your, yeah, what, your father's dead or he was the Green God. Wait, what the fuck happened, right? And Norman's there in the room, and you see that Norman can now control the, the, the transformations by injecting himself with Oz. And so he looked like, look like Norman Osborn, and like, oh, this is bad. This is, this is very, very yeah, bad. You, like, as a reader, you're like, this is dread. I feel dread in my stomach because... I know with all this matters to Peter. All the things that got you here. Mm-hmm. When he throws Mary off the fucking bridge. Oh, dude. That's a, another great one. He throws Mary off the bridge and you're like, that's the bridge. Like, oh my God. And and at the end of the issue is Peter holding Mary and her not responding. You're like, oh my God, they did the Gwen Stacy bridge thing, but with Mary. Oh, fuck. And then you see she wakes up the next one. You're like, oh, this is different, but still, like that dread you feel. Like, you but, don't know. But I love the fact it affects her like she yeah. like a big subplot is the fact that her knowing he's spider-man just dumps trauma onto her by the fucking boatload it's just right. like here's some more trauma here oh here's watching your boyfriend almost die fighting a giant mechanized rhino like it's it's all bad well yeah and, and again and like i said you... their relationship is so like when they break when he dumps her mm-hmm. or when she dumps him excuse she me like him, yeah you feel it. you're like god i shouldn't care about this but i do Right, and you and you see because you're like, like I said, the way they handle that relationship is done so well because at first you're like, oh, she's down with it, she's cool with it, she knows, and so this means Peter's gonna make it's gonna make his life so much easier. But one, Peter still keeps some secrets from her, you know, because like when 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 um, Harry, uh, you know, him knowing that Harry uh, that 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 Norman is 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 that that actual creature, and Harry was right. Uh, the whole thing with Shield, whole thing with Wilson Fisk and stuff like that. Like he doesn't tell her everything that's going on, even though she knows he's Spider Man. Um, and then she's like, you know, we talk about you being in the suit so much, and I really like that. But it's like I have things going on in my life, and you don't ask me. It's like you see them build this relationship because it is a high school relationship, and you see them right. build it. And so you're rooting for these two crazy kids to stay together and work it out. But um, 
Yeah, it's crazy. And then when as a reader, as a reader, stuff you never think about, like, of course, our viewpoint and our most important thing is going to be Peter Parker, the adventures of Peter Parker growing up. Mm-hmm. But for a supporting character to have the agency to say, motherfucker, things going on in my life that you never asked about. And as a reader, you're like, yo, I don't know shit about MJ's life. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. It's like, wait, but even worse though, you're like, wait, I do know her father is cheating on her on her mother. And we do know this, but Peter never but does ask. said these things in like heated moments, but we never really, you're right. We never really give it credence or let right. it affect how we kind of move forward with the story. We like Peter, like that is really sad MJ. And I'm really sorry about that. And it's a great point. But Dr. Octopus is tearing up Jersey, so I've really got to fucking go. <laughs> right. You're like, it's not really, I mean, it's important, but it's not important. You know, it's, it is important. Like, it's like the video, it's like playing the game. Like, it's like, hey, like, all this is, I love, and we'll talk about the game when you finish it, but the, the tension they create the, as you try to balance being Peter and being Spider Man in a video game. Oh, but I never listen, do it. listen, when you're sitting, swinging on the city and taking calls, you're like, can nobody else hear that I'm exerting myself? Because no, so, so that's the thing is, take a call. Okay, the next time they call, stop swinging and land somewhere. He won't sound winded, but if you're fighting or swinging, he is out of breath. The Yo, time. dude, I I noticed that, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. This is ridiculous. <laughs> how how much detail? Like, but you have to put that kind of detail in there, and that makes it work. It was like. He's, he doesn't, if he's standing still, he's fine. But you're in the middle of a fucking fight or he's swinging through the city. You're just like, you're breathing heavy. And I'm like, how's nobody hearing that I'm breathing heavy? And this is, maybe I should stop. Maybe I should, maybe I should go in this corner real quick. Cause I'm, I'm starting to <laughs> tell him myself, right? You know, no, it's fucking amazing. So, no, but you're, it's just, it's just great. So, um, the thing with, with Gwen Stacy, you see Gwen Stacy, you're like, Gwen's moving in. They'll be like, oh, well, that's the end of, that's the end of MJ and, and Peter then because this hot, chick who's you know who saves uh, again you see her uh, she saves peter sometimes she she pulled a knife on uh, on kenny like this motherfucker like uh, no, not your mom's gwen stacy no not your mom's gwen stacy yo she will she will cut a nigga yo she will cut a nigga she will she will she will get that police cop kid thing about it like i can't i'll get in trouble i'm not that bad. Like, no, no, no. you can't really tell them shit because, like, now nah, my dad sees some shit. I'm okay. Right, 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 right. My dad, my dad can hide the body. Like, he, 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 well, not he, even that. Just like, like, my dad does way worse shit than me pulling a knife on some asshole at school. I can be all right. Yeah. So, um, but you know, and then you find out that that's not the relationship at all. Like, it's exactly. literally they, the they, they are friends, and and it's fine. And like you said, it's 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 just such an interesting dynamic and it's such a mature book. Um. And watching and watching Gwen's mom like deny her, you're like, yo, what? Like, it's one of those things that you're like, yeah, Peter's got it tough, and Peter, as a lot of these things are happening, but the lives around him aren't easy. Yo, when and, when like, May calls, like Gwen, when May calls her mom, is like, hey, listen, Gwen's been staying with us for a while anyway, um, but like, you know, I and I'm sorry for your loss, and that Captain Stacy died, but I'm just wondering. Oh, what's that? Oh, you, you don't want Gwen to come live with you. You don't. You so wait. You did you just hang up on me? Like it's just it's a tough conversation. Like or her because I don't think you ever see her mom either. Her mom is you, terrible. I'll tell you right now through the entire series, you never see her mother. Her mom is terrible. Um, no super villain for real. Yeah, the real villain of Ultimate Spider-Man is Gwen Stacy's mom. Uh, <laughs> um, so the other thing too is because again, reading towards the last the last issues we were reading in this is the whole uh, Spider-Man the, the, on the movie set thing, right? I love that there's a little hint in here that Ben's is calling a shot, and when when Peter's fighting 
Otto Octavius on the set of the the the, uh, the, the movie, the real Otto Octavius on the set of the movie, uh, he gets saved by one of the stuntmen, and is a black guy named uh, Leroy. <laughs> he's like who, uh, Peter, and he's and he's wearing he's a stuntman, so he's wearing a Spider Man suit. So it's a black guy in a Spider Man suit. Peter goes, "Who are you?" Yep. Name's Leroy. I'm one of the st- uh, I'm one of the stunt guys on the picture. I thought I got a revamp. For, I thought I got revamp for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you tricky son of a bitch. That is uh, issue like that's like issue fifty eight or fifty nine. All right, and we great. know eventually what happens. It's just like I thought I got a. Re- it's a, again. I'm just <sighs> well done. Well done, sir. There are big haters, and I want you to know after reading the first five volumes again, you're wrong. Y'all. You're wrong. I mean, you're wrong. You're cut out wrong. That's it. You're just wrong. You can be wrong. Just be wrong. Be wrong somewhere else. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine to be. I mean, you can be whatever you want to be. I can't stop you from being that. I can't stop you from being <laughs> wrong. But you're wrong. I mean, this guy is amazing. You're so this, wrong. I mean, he's so good. Because here's the thing: revamped is like in cap, is in bold letters. So it's like this is planned. He knew this. Yeah, it was, there, it was done on purpose. There's a reason why there's a black guy in a Spider-Man suit there, and then later on, you actually get. A black Peter Parker. I mean, a, a black uh, a black Miles Morales taking over Spider Man. Like it, it, it's all there. It's 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 ah, mwah, perfect. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to say about this this run? No, I'm really glad we're finally doing this. I really, really love this run. Like I, like it's one of the things. Like I'm rereading it, and like I remember reading it the first time and feeling some kind of way. But rereading it now, kind of as a, a, an older man, grown up, and seeing some of the themes he carried out, like the, the fatherhood stuff and kind mm-hmm. of responsibility and you know, a kid who wants to be more than he is, but needs to learn to grow. Like, I love it, man. It's just, it's a really, it's even stronger on the reread. I'll tell you that. Yeah, it is. And I think they do a good job of showing that, you know, there's this misconception that Peter is just like this loser who can't do anything. Like, no, like Peter has a lot going for him and and he's a loner. Yeah. Cause there's that, that time when him and Gwen are talking and it's like, you know, she's like, let's go to this party. Like, what party? It's like, this party over here the, the, from this, uh, this kid from another school. It's like, did they get invited? It's like, no, they didn't invite me to parties. Why don't they invite you to parties? Because I don't have friends. Neither do I. We should go to this party. He's like, you want to go to this party, don't you? It's like, it's just like this weird conversation where he's like, you have these, these, these uh, Gwen, Gwen and, 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 and Peter, they're loners. Uh, but they do have people they know and friends. Like, it's like Kenny's kind of weird because Kenny is kind of his friend and kind of not because when Peter gets his, his powers, he does join the basketball team and takes Flash's spot because he can become good all of a sudden because he's got this, the powers. Um, uh, MJ is is also weird. So he's always in that group. He's he's the loner, but he's also not a loner because he's always in that that social group of these people who aren't loners. So it's just a really – 100%. It, it's, it, it's a really – amazing thing and i love how they did this so um there's there's a line in the clone saga that comes in this we're going to cover in part two but it really encapsulates kind of peter and all continuities a character says to um one of his friends says you got to help peter she's like i I know she says no no you don't know he's an orphan he doesn't know how to ask for help Hmm. he doesn't know how like he's he's never known he's always known to be alone in the world Mm-hmm. you've got to be proactive in helping him because he's not going to ask and that it's so it's it, it's one of those things that i never looked at about spider-man but you sit back and like why doesn't he ask for help on these things like because he always thinks he's always got it. Mm-hmm. and it's so nice that it's reinforced in this first five or first 10 volumes how he's not alone mm-hmm. yeah. you know he's got people with him and he needs to, to, to trust a little more but 
same time, it's against his nature, it's against who he is, but it, it allows the character to continue to make sense in the world that he does. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, there you guys have it. That is us discussing the first 10 volumes of Ultimate Spider Man. We'll come back in and finish the last, I think, 12. Uh, I think because yep. it goes to volume 22. And that leads into, because, wait, that lead to volume 22 leads into then them doing the Miles Morales run, right? I think, because I, I think there's three volumes of. Hold on, let me pull up. I have a list here. Okay, so I got to say, I don't, I don't know if this goes all the way through. Either way, we're going to read up the, the volume 22 of this run and so we'll see where that ends. Um, but I, I enjoy this run, the entire thing. Again, if you're a Benetator, you're just fucking wrong. <laughs> it's I mean, true, just, guys. Just, sorry. I'm sorry for that. Um, a couple quick announcements. Uh, we're on Spotify, Character Corner. You can find us on Spotify, get all our Character Corners on there. Uh, we'll be doing this. We're going to be working on some other things. I know we have, uh, obviously, the second part of this. Aquaman coming in December, November. We might do some uh, smaller, like quick uh, corner, uh, quick corners. Uh, we're like 15, 20 minutes on some smaller characters that they can't get a full character corner. We can kind of go through real quickly in 15, 20 minutes. We might throw those out there. Um, also, uh, if you're hearing this, no, by the time you hear this, the the sale on T Public will probably be uh, over. But T Public is always having sales on there, so. Um, we'll be putting some new designs up soon. I know we have some UDG pod designs coming up and some other things. So uh, just go to uh, tpublic.com slash uh, store slash MTR dash network. You'll see us there. And um, yeah, also don't forget Shanna's comic, uh, Young God, uh, patreon.com slash Young God. And uh, you can help uh, you know help her fund that uh, that her upcoming comic that she's trying to launch early next year. So um Let's go ahead. If you can just donate a dollar to the Patreon, that will help. Anything you can help uh, will help her get that, that comic out there. And if you want more information on Young God, go to younggod.mtrnetwork.net, and you'll see us uh, more about that as well. So, again, folks, thank you guys very much for listening. And until next time, we're out of here. Peace. Peace.